بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على خاتم الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد. Please come closer, inshallah. Those who are participating, and those who are not, can please proceed outside and close the doors, inshallah, of the prayer hall. Please close the doors, so the sound can go outside for those who are staying outside. If someone can help in the back, inshallah. So alhamdulillah, last night we finished uh, Surah Al-Anbiya. Different prophets of uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions their stories. And then starting with Surah Al-Hajj. Surah Al-Hajj begins with uh, a very terrifying scene of the Day of Judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very vividly describes uh, how um, horrific that day will be. Allah ta'ala says, Ya ayuhu nasu taqoo rabbakum. These are the opening ayats, ayat 1, 2, 3 of Surah Al-Hajj. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayuhu nasu taqoo rabbakum. O those who, O mankind. O all mankind, ya ayuhu nas, ittaqoo rabbakum, fear your Rabb. Inna zalzalat al-sa'a shay'un azim. Verily, the earthquake that will take place, the zalzala of the hour, shay'un azim is a very grave thing, a very uh, major earthquake that will take place. And no one can ever imagine how horrific this earthquake will be. This is a commandment, this is an address from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to all of mankind. That uh, be prepared for this day, by fulfilling his commands and avoiding his prohibitions, because this is the day when this earthquake will take place. What you will see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the horror by saying, Yawma tarawnaha, on that day you will see, Tadhalu kullu murdi'atin amma arda'at. Every um, mother that is feeding its baby will, the, the mother that is feeding its milk to the baby will throw away its baby, its suckling baby. And, and every pregnant woman will abort her fetus. And you will see that the people, they are seeming as if they are drunk. But in reality, they are not drunk. But it is the adab of Allah that is so severe. So in this day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He could have just said it's a severe day. But He is painting such a vivid picture. We can see the imagery here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it so real by saying that yawma tarawna, you will see with your own eyes these scenes. And Allah ta'ala gives the example of the uh, uh, nursing mother and her baby because within uh, human beings, uh, the strongest possible connection and relationship is between the nursing mother and her baby. In general, between parents and children and specifically between the mother and her children and specifically the time period of when the baby is nursing. As the baby around the clock uh, needs the milk of the mother every two three hours the mother is feeding the newborn baby so despite this very strong attachment uh, she will give it up and throw it away because of the horror of that day and the people will seem as if they are drunk Allah could have just said they will be drunk but he's saying nas, you will see to bring the reality home you will see the people as if they are drunk but they are not drunk may Allah Ta'ala protect us from uh, the horrors of that day then moving forward, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Hajj, um, He speaks about some of the munafiqun and the hypocrites, may Allah protect us from having this attribute, that are worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, they're going back and forth. There are some people who worship Allah depending on the season, depending on what's going on. When there are good times and victories for the believers, they want to join the Muslims. When there are difficult times, they go over to the other camp. So, 
they are losing out, they have lost in the dunya and the akhirah, and that is the greatest loss. So the, the believers on the other hand are those who remain st- st- uh, steadfast in good times and bad times. That is the reality of istiqamah. This is the condition of the munafiqoon on ayah number 11. Um, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala further he speaks about there's an um, since this is Surah Al-Hajj we should at least go over the ayat regarding Hajj Allah ta'ala says with bawa'na li Ibrahim ayat 26 with bawa'na li Ibrahim makan al-bayt Allah tushrik bi shay'a wa tahir bayta li ta'ifina wal qa'imina wa raka'i sujood and remember when Ibrahim alayhi salam we granted him uh, the place and identified for him and guided him the place where the Baytullah was to be erected and he purified it for all the people to come and make tawaf and rukur and sujood and then Allah gave him a command there was no one there it was a desolate valley and Allah Ta'ala told him Mu'adhin fin nas and make the proclamation to the people so uh, he did not object and say Ya Allah who do you want me to address there's no one here Allah Ta'ala said Mu'adhin make the adhan Make the announcement, 27 ayah, finnas, bil hajj, to come to perform the hajj. And the people will respond, the people will come. Ya'tuka rijalan, some will come walking. Wa'ala kulli dhamir, some will come on the dhamir camel. So the camel obviously was an integral part of the Arab um, life and civilization. So there are so many different names for camels, different types of camels. So the Dhamir is a unique, uh, specific type of camel. Which camel? It is a camel that the whole hump of the camel, the entire hump, which is the reservoir of the fat, uh, it has been melted away. So it, ha- it has uh, been traveling in the desert away from uh, water sources and food for a long period of time, such that the reservoir of the fat has now been depleted and it's emaciated, it's starving, and it needs uh, food right very soon before it dies. So they will be coming on the Dhamir camel. What's the point of that? Meaning they're coming from far off distances. They'll be coming from the far distant valleys. So there are people who till today um, they walk from different countries to do Hajj. They ride their bicycles to do Hajj from all the way from from far east and west and south subhanallah you can once in a while those stories come online you may have seen a bunch of uh, bikers not uh, motorcycles but physical biking they took their bicycles with uh, one human power not horsepowers right and from from the UK they went and did hajj subhanallah they had to take go on a boat to go through the uh, English channel into or they went through the tunnel. In fact, maybe they, there's a tunnel as well as the ferries to get to the main Europe. And then from there, they bike through whole Europe all the way to perform the, to perform the Hajj. So uh, imagine uh, their feeling when they come in to see the Kaaba after weeks and weeks of pedaling, or months perhaps, of pedaling to go. Uh, I remember when we were studying in Johannesburg, there was some brothers, they, didn't, they weren't pedaling on a bicycle, but they had their um, big uh, SUV, off-roading a type of um, jeep. They had come from south, from Durban, and then t- and by the coast, and Johannesburg is further north. They stopped f- to pray Salah, and there was a group that were going in their vehicle all the way to perform Hajj. So we saw them, we met them, and then 
Sure enough, several months later, we saw them once again on the way back. <laughs> they were driving all the way. It's very far from the tip of South Africa. SubhanAllah. So they will be coming from far off distance. This is an obligation. Rasulullah said that if a person has money, of course, this is only for the one who has physical strength as well as money. Whenever Allah Ta'ala speaks about Hajj, He mentions this. Whoever has the ability to perform it must perform it. It's an obligation. So if a person has savings and a person has physical strength and he continues to delay it and if he ends up dying, it's a very severe warning. I do not care, he may die as a Yehudi or a Christian, as a Jew or a Christian. There's a hadith of Rasulullah. Fulfill the obligation of Hajj, it's a command. So, if a person, that's what I'm saying, I mentioned the fact that if a person doesn't have finances, this warning does not apply. If a person does not have physical strength, the warning does not apply. It's only for the one who has the ability, has the time. And, the, and the, the biggest tragedy is there, may Allah forgive us, there are many who, people who have traveled all over the world uh, for visiting friends and family back home or even just vacation in lands that they have no relatives for sightseeing, purely sightseeing. But the, they have this obligation, I'm not sure what they are waiting for, right? They just keep on delaying it. If you're not traveling, can't afford it, you're staying at home, again, you're not exempted because you are exempted. We're not talking about that. This is about those who can afford it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, He takes those who cannot afford it because of their talab. And He does not allow those who cannot afford it to enter because of lack of talab. There are so many examples of this we see all the time. There are people who come right to the door of, of, of the haram and they have not entered inside. There was one brother, uh, his story was mentioned, he, was, uh, he had a particular working visa, some type of iqama situation from Riyadh, and uh, I think three times a week, three times every week, he would be taking a 15-passenger van, and he would be driving them right up to the Bab Malik Abdul Aziz. And then he would turn around, and he dropped them off, and he would go back to take the other group. He continued this for a couple of years, and then he got deported. So the fact that he got deported, that's not his fault. But the fault is what? Exactly. He came up to the door of Malik Abdul Aziz, but he never went inside. He, never, I mean, he came for like a stone's throw away from the Kaaba, but he never went inside to see the Kaaba. He always was delaying, oh, I'll do it later. Yeah, I'm here coming three times a week, I mean. Every day. Every, every, other, every, every other day. So this is, this is such a deprivation, such mahrumiyat. Deprived of seeing the Kaaba. You're deprived of making the tawaf of the Baytullah. And there are other individuals who have absolutely no means. SubhanAllah. Our, 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 uh, one time in our dars, our teacher, Mawlana Sulaiman Chosi, Hafidullah, he mentioned two stories back to back. He said, uh, there was one uh, very rich businessman he knew who um, everyone in his family had done hajj. He was very wealthy. He had businesses in multiple different countries in Southern Africa, from Zambia and Malawi, Zimbabwe, South Africa, all of these countries he had chains of stores. So way beyond the requirement of how, rich is, how much money is required. But then what happened is he said, no, I can't wear that ihram, I can't wear that ihram. It's too uncomfortable or whatever. That's why I'm not going to do hajj. I don't have a problem with hajj per se, but I just can't wear that. Na'udhu billah. So then what happened is, they told him that forget about it. Just, just come with your suit, whatever you want to wear. Don't worry, just come. 
Uh, because once he comes there, he's going to see what? Like 2.5, 3 million back in those days, pre, pre-COVID. You'll see like 3 million people wearing ihram. Then, or 2 million people, you might feel kind of out of place. And then you'll just end up wearing it. If you cross the miqat without it, we can deal with the, with the dumb of the goat, right? Afterwards. Because it's a violation. He came, he landed in Jeddah. Everyone's wearing ihram and going inside. It's a haram now. They said, you got to wear the ihram. He said, didn't I make the deal? I'm not going to wear the ihram. He said, no, but you're here now. Come on, let's do it. He said, no. So he said, you guys go ahead. Na'udhu billah. And from Jeddah, he stayed in a hotel and then he took a flight back after Hajj. But there was no flight leaving. All the flights are incoming. So he waited. He had to wait. Sit in Jeddah for a while in the hotel by himself. After Hajj, then he fl- took a flight back. So this is ex- extreme deprivation. And then Mawlana Sulaiman Sahib, he mentioned on the other hand that just like I'm narrating his story, he told us in Dars, he said, when I was a student, our teacher mentioned an example of himself that he was on a boat from Bombay going on the steamboat to perform the Hajj. Eight to ten days, a journey. So he was, but this story happened before the journey began. So what happened is, his, his teacher was, to, our, my grand teacher was telling my teacher in his dars that, uh, oh, oh students, what happened in my story is when I was doing Hajj in the boat, we came onto the deck and we were sitting there looking down and the, um, the porters were bringing all the goods and the porters were bringing um, uh, loading up the boat with all the food and logistical, logistical things they need and we were sitting there watching and then pretty much uh, everything was loaded up and they were going to uh, up, lift, lift up the bridge and the boat was going to cast off and it was going to set out on its journey and we were about to separate from uh, the land when all of a sudden one person he came running uh, and he said, I, I have an emergency telegram. Because back in, this is the day of, era of the telegram with the Morse code. Did, 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 did. So he came with a telegram because again, they're, they're not flying, they're going in a boat. It's the same era, sometimes in the 50s, 60s. So he comes in, he says, I have this uh, urgent telegram. So the, the Molana, who's my grand teacher, he was sitting on the deck of the boat. He says he came with that telegram to one person who was there sitting with him, already on the boat, going, ready to go for Hajj. And if, they had, if there was a few minutes late, that telegram would not have reached him. He opened the telegram and he read, he said, um, somebody in his family who was a very wealthy businessman, had passed away, and his inheritance had to be distributed, and he, ha- he was the executor of the will. He said that, he said, oh, inna lillahi wa inna I gotta go take care of this. So from the boat, he took his belongings and everything, and he came off. Right when the boat was about to leave, he came off back onto the land. But back in those days, they didn't have like a, a lot of um, specific biometrics and unique passports and unique visas per every individual. There was just like a stamp paper that you have been you have paid. You have a ticket, just like admit one. You can it's transferable. So he had the money for the Hajj and he had the visa and everything. So he came down onto the onto the um, shore, and there was one um, hawker street seller who had a big basket of bananas. He didn't have any family or anything. He was living on the street selling bananas. So he went up to him and he said that, do you want to go for Hajj? <laughs> so, so then the guy said, that is my dream. All of you hujaj are going. I'm trying to sell bananas here. Maybe, I don't know, but I have a tamanna. When, how can I ever go for Hajj? So he said, okay, how about this? You take this money, you take this visa, and you better jump on the boat because it's literally leaving right now. In fact, it was leaving and they just paused it. He said, really? 
So he said, yeah, just take it, go. All the money you need for the journey and the visa investment, just go. So he went out in the morning, what? To sell bananas. And then he just ran onto the deck. Then what happened, my teacher's teacher, he said that he was so excited. He was just completely like euphoric. He was going into, uh, like I would assume, like an, almost like a manic phase at this point. So he, he said that he was so happy, excited, he threw his basket of bananas into the air. He said, everybody, free, on the house, take bananas. And he threw it, and everybody grabbed a free banana. And, and we saw the whole scene happening in front of our eyes. The one who was on the deck left, and the one who went out to sell bananas was accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we see this uh, all the time. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to go and visit the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala many times and fulfill it in the correct manner. Not to go there in such a manner that we, are, we lose the spirit of the hajj, which is another problem. One is not going, one is going and also losing the spirit. The Rasulullah as he mentioned, Sayyati ala nasi zamanun, a time will come upon the people, only thing left of Islam will be the name. The only thing left of the ilm will be his teaching. The only thing left behind regarding the Quran is the rasam, its rituals. So likewise the spirit of Hajj is, uh, is slowly going away. So people are going to show off, people are going for other purposes. May Allah Ta'ala grant us the reality. What is the purpose? Allah Ta'ala says here in Ayah 28, So they could witness such things which will benefit them. Benefit them spiritually. Witnessing is to see with your own eyes. So you'll see, oh, this is Mawlada Rasul, this is where he was born. This is the Qabr Rasul in the Rawda in Medina. And you see the place in Mina, this is where Ibrahim alayhi salam, there's a small little uh, mihrab type of uh, monument on the mountain in Mina showing the exact uh, spot where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given the command to Ibrahim alayhi salam to sacrifice his son. And Allah ta'ala sent a ram from Jannah. Uh, you see that, you see the places where the shayateen came to misguide the father, the mother, and the son, all the three, the big, middle, and the small shaitan, we call it. You see these things and you're, you're reminded. You see where the Safa and the Marwa, Hajar is running back and forth seven times out of desperation, looking for water. All of these scenes you're supposed to witness, right? That's what it says, you witness, you see the things with your eyes, you feel it, you walk it, you, you relive the experience. In fact, you... you um, Reenact it. Literally, you're physically reenacting that amal. Like you're walking seven times. Which water are you looking for? No water. But you're reenacting the act. You've been mandated as an obligation to reenact it because Hajj is incomplete without the sa'i. Subhanallah. So imagine how impactful it must be. You know, when, one is you hear a lesson, one is you, uh, you think about it. There are different ways of learning. Passive listening and active doing. So like as education, as an educationalist myself, you know, we have all the different uh, workshops with uh, PhDs in education. They come and teach us about how if the student has, you know, hands-on experiment, and he's doing that type of uh, knowledge that they learn will what? Stick with them. So this is a, a full-on experience to perform hajj in the correct manner. Allahu Akbar. Then Allah Ta'ala, He mentions... Uh, about the qurbani, the sacrifice, that these mushrikun were so uh, obscene, they keep on coming up with ajib or gharib things. One of them they used to do is they would, they would slaughter the animals and the filth, the najasa, the blood, they would smear it on the walls of the Kaaba. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, This ayah number 37. That neither the flesh nor the blood goes to Allah. He doesn't need the blood of the animal, he doesn't need the flesh of the animal. What he's looking for is a taqwa in your hearts. Your intention, your sincerity. 
So this applies to everything else. Whenever you give sadaqah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't need our money or your money. He needs what? The niyat in our hearts. He's looking for our sincerity. So some of the Yehud, uh, they came to Ibrahim uh, Abu, um, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, not Umar bin Khattab, who's known to be uh, strong uh, and having a strong response, but to Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, who was known for being super kind and very nice and gentleman. And Arhamu ummati bi ummati Abu Bakr. The most merciful of my ummah to my ummah is Abu Bakr. But at the same time, you have to have ghadab lillah. You have to have ghayra for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they said to, they, they mentioned to him, that inna Allah faqir, your Allah is faqir. That's why he's asking for sadaqah. Nahnu aghniya, and we are rich. He's asking a loan from us. So this caused Abu Bakr to have so much anger that he smacked the guy. Not like Musa some story we heard today, because of Musa faqada alayhi, he ended up dying. No, because Musa had the strength of 40 men. Abu Bakr was a very strong man, but one man. So he just smacked him. And then that person, he went and took his complaint to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he made up a false story. He, you know, he deleted some parts of the story. And he said, look, this, is, this man has beat me and hit me, the battery, salt. So, uh, and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was very shocked what happened here. And Abu Bakr had no one in his defense. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayah in the Quran. In the fourth verse, we covered it already. Uh, so many stories we missed. This is one of them. لَقَدْ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ قَوْلَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا Allah has indeed heard uh, those who say, إِنَّ اللَّهَ فَقِيرٌ Where Allah is a faqir. نَعُوذْ بِاللَّهِ وَنَحْنُ أَغْنِيَاءُ We are the rich ones. Did we, maybe I did mention Allah. No, I did not mention it. وَنَحْنُ أَغْنِيَاءُ We are rich. سَنَكْتُبُ مَا قَالُوا We are writing down, we are recording what they are saying. وَقَتَلَهُمُ الْأَنْبِيَاءُ And in the past, they asked, these are the same people who killed the Anbiya. We wrote that down as well. This is Surah Al-Imran, Surah 3, Ayah 181. سَنَكْتُبُ مَا قَالُوا We have recorded what they have said. وَقَتَلَهُمُ الْأَنْبِيَاءُ بِغَيْرِ حَقٍّ وَنَقُولُوا And we will tell them, ذُوقُوا عَذَابَ الْحَرِيقِ Taste the burning torment. This is a result of what you yourself have sent forth with your own hands. Really Allah does not do any zulm on his servants, on his slaves. Uh, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala set the record straight what happened there. So likewise over here, Allah ta'ala doesn't need our money, He doesn't need the blood, He doesn't need the flesh. Qurbani is a very amazing example of that. Because we do the qurbani lillahi ta'ala and then who eats it first? Right? We are the ones, we are going to eat it, we are going to enjoy it. Starting off with whichever organs you like better first. <laughs> but uh, how, what kind of qurbani is this? It's supposed to be like, you know, all lillahi ta'ala. No, Allah ta'ala doesn't even, He get, permitted, in fact, it's sunnah to eat it. You know, one third you consume it, one third your family, one third you give in sadaqah. Subhanallah, what a benevolent Lord. So He doesn't need your blood. He just wants to see that you sacrifice it in His name. The niyat is all that counts. Allah is not looking at your faces and your wealth. He's looking at your hearts and your intentions. Then ayah number 39. You know, in Makkah is very important. This is the first ayah about giving the permission for armed response. In Makkah al-Mukarramah, no matter how severe the condition were, conditions were and the torture was reaching uh, unbearable limits, the command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continued to be Fasbir sabran jamila, sabran jamila, be patient, be patient. You know, you cannot respond back. Because 
they were not in a position. They were um, the weak minority in Makkah al-Makarramah. Finally, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted them their independent city of Madinah al-Manawara, with Rasulullah sallallahu uh, granted that authority over the city, now they had their own independent city. So this ayah was revealed as the first ayah regarding you, it is permissible to defend yourself. Udina. Udina means the permission has been granted. For those people to fight back, because they have been oppressed. Verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is promising that He will grant them His help. So, this was the first ayah. Allah Ta'ala says, which are, who are these people? They, are, they have been expelled from their homes without any due cause. Their only sin is they said, our Rabb is Allah. And these are the people, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, that when He will grant them authority in the land, when He will grant them their government, the hukumah, what will they do? الَّذِينَ إِمْ مَكَّرْنَاهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ This is the same Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, the Khulafai Rashidun to be. Allah is prophesizing. إِمْ مَكَّرْنَاهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ These people who have been expelled. When I will give them authority, when I will give them authority over the land, they are going to أَقَامُ الصَّلَاةِ They will establish salah. وَآتَوَ الزَّكَاةِ They will establish zakah. وَأَمَرُوا بِالْمَعْرُوفِ They will invite towards good. They will forbid wrong. Uh, the final end of all matters. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, these people who have been expelled, now Allah is their turn to fight back, get their land back, and these are such beloved slaves of Allah, such righteous slaves, uh, that uh, they will establish justice. And that is exactly what the Khulafa Rashidun did. And it is a very glorious history, very uplifting history, um, up to the end of Khilafat of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu. Actually, towards the end of Sayyidina Uthman that up to that point, it's so inspiring and it's uplifting. And after that, frankly, it becomes very sad because all the different civil wars come in. And with a few exceptions here and there, you have Umar bin Abdulaziz, you have you know, different um, Adil, righteous kings. But by and large, it becomes... Uh, all about nafs and uh, about subhanallah fulfilling one's desires and and the worst part is the fighting with one another that takes place in our unfortunate bloody history it is also important to study those parts so that we can learn to avoid it within our lives and our organizations and our communities we're not running kingdoms we're not khalifas, but we have whatever limited authority we have in our masjid area, in our, com- in our communities, in our societies. We should not also be in fighting like they have in the past and they still are. But alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala speaks about the Khulafai Rashidin here. Then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala speaks about traveling the earth and seeing the signs of Allah's great, uh, of greatness, but at the same time over here seeing the signs of different adab of Allah Ta'ala that have come. Allah Ta'ala says, فَكَأَيِّ مِنْ قَرْيَةٍ Ayah 45 uh, there are many cities that have been destroyed by the adab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wahiya because they were zalim. They have committed zulm. Alright. Like the nation of Thamud. The nation of Thamud, uh, their homes are preserved. Why? Because they were carved in the mountains. 
They were carving their homes in the mountains. Aminin, thinking they're going to be safe. Because the nation that immediately preceded them were which one? Qawm of Aad. The Qawm of Aad of Hud, they were destroyed by severe winds. They had a severe wind. Seven nights and eight days. You would see the gigantic bodies strewn out around on the floor like the palm trees that have been cut down. Like when a hurricane comes in the south and you see the palm trees all strewn about, cut down, like that, the gigantic bodies of the Aad. So they used to say, man minna huwa, Who is stronger than us? Do they not realize Allah who has created you is stronger than you? So they were physically strong human, big human beings and they were destroyed through the wind. So the next uh, nation, Salih the Thamud, they thought they were going to be smarter and they will make such homes which are wind resistant, you know. And they said, the Qobin, before Aad was which one? Nuh. So Qobin Nuh, what happened there? Flooding. So they said, we'll have high ground in the mountains and Carved in the mountains, so the wind will not destroy. So we're safe from the wind tornadoes and we're safe from the flooding. No hurricane, no tornado proof, hurricane proof, and uh, you know, flooding proof. So, what, but is it can it be adab of Allah proof? No. So, what happened is the, the, the reason I'm talking about their homes is because for a number of reasons. Allah Ta'ala says, Go. Um, you have the abandoned wells, Mashid, you have the destroyed palaces. Do you not travel over the earth? Do you not have hearts that can understand? Do you not have ears you can see what's going here? The eyes have not become blind. The hearts in the chests have become blind. So, um, so some places like Qubalut, for example, that's the area where the Dead Sea is. The nation of Sadum was there, from which the word sodomy comes. That's at the bottom of the Dead Sea. But the ultimate, um, most preserved and easiest, without any archaeological digging required, to see the sign of the Adab of Allah is the place which has the name Madainu Salih, the cities of Salih, in northwestern Saudi Arabia by the border of Jordan. So, as it, so these were carved in the, in the mountains. Now they thought they're going to be preserved because it's what we covered, right? Hurricane proof, eh? tornado proof, and flood proof. But what happened when they finally destroyed the, uh, killed the camel that Allah had sent of Salih alayhi salam, and the adab came, فَأُهْلِكُوا ثَمُودُوا فَأُهْلِكُوا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent an angel that screeched such loudly that the hearts burst from that sound of the screech. So the palaces were completely intact, carved in the mountains. Now when you go there, or if you happen to go there, Rasulullah passed there too. Where? When? When he was going north. Why was he going so far north? On the way to Tabuk. So Tabuk is north of Madaina Salih. So with the caravan, when he went there, he's... Yani, so, so there's like no opportunity to come up with another theory here. Because first of all, Allah Ta'ala mentioned it in the Quran. When you go see the place of Adab, you should cry. 
then you could say yeah maybe you have some other opinion but guess what it just so happens that Nabi Sallallahu actually in his seerah in the 10th year of hijrah he went past the same point and what did he say cover your faces whenever you enter here you should enter here tabkoon crying this is the place where the adab of Allah came see and reflect this is where Allah Ta'ala sent his adab I mean it's in the Sahih Hadith in any seerah book pick it up you'll find it why am I so amazed it's because most of you perhaps know that this has now become what? A tourist vacation spot. Can you believe it's all lighted up with multiple different colors? And there's fireworks. Can you believe fireworks in such a place? UNESCO World Heritage Site. Okay, but, but how can you make it a place of celebration? It's called Ula. Right? So this, this is... a. When I was reading through it, I came this ayah. This is the first thing came in my mind. May Allah Ta'ala, ilallahil mushtaka, we come into Allah. Through our own amal, we are witnessing such a time. Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar. So this is how Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, uh, He concludes Surah Al-Hajj. And after that, comes Surah Al-Mu'minun. We are quite far behind, inshaAllah. May Allah Ta'ala make it easy for us to conclude this. The last ayat of Surah Al-Hajj is, وَجَاهِدُوا فِي اللَّهِ حَقَّ جِهَادِي Allah Ta'ala tells us, strive in His path, the way it is right for it, to you strive in His path. وَجْتَبَاكُمْ If you think you cannot do it, He says, He has selected you. You can do it. وَمَا جَعَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ مِنْ حَرَجٍ Allah Ta'ala does not want to put difficulty on you in your deen. If you work hard, inshaAllah Allah will make it easy. Look, take, take encouragement from your forefather. Just like in Qurtabi says, if somebody, you want to encourage him to be generous, you'll say, look, your father was so generous. If somebody, you want to encourage him to be brave in battle, you'll say, your father was such a hero and a warrior. So likewise, Allah Ta'ala says, Ibrahim. Look, your forefather was Ibrahim. And then you still think, I can't do it. Allah Ta'ala says, it's in your name. It's your very name. المسلمين. You have the name of a Muslim. He gave you the name of a Muslim when he made the dua. In my progeny, create a Muslim ummah. Um, so Allah Ta'ala says فَقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَآتُوا الزَّكَاةَ Do your physical ibadah, do your financial ibadah and go and invite others towards Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala وَعَتَسِيمُوا بِاللَّهِ Hold on to the deen and when you're going out to do the effort of deen you're worried about two things who's going to take care of the affairs at home when you're gone and who's going to help you in the path so Allah Ta'ala takes care of both He says هُوَ مَوْلَاكُمْ فَنِعْمَ الْمَوْلَى وَنِعْمَ النَّصِيرِ he is the best one who will take care of all affairs of your home when you are out in the path of Allah. Ni'man Nasir, he is the best one who will help you when you are in his path. So that's why as we finish, it's a beautiful reminder for us. Ni'man Mawla wa Ni'man Nasir. The best one who will take care of affairs at home is Allah. The best one who will help you in any challenges in the path of Allah is Allah. If you look at the Masnoon Dua, when we go out in, in any journey, Allahumma inna nas'aluka fi safarina hadha O Allah, if we ask for you in this journey Al-birra wa taqwa Ability to do all good deeds, bir Taqwa, ability to abstain from sins Wa min al-amali ma tarda In those actions that please you Allahumma hawin alayna safarana hadha O Allah, make this journey easy for us Watwi anna bu'da May the distance become quick for us And easy for us to traverse the distance Then this is the best part Allahumma anta sahibu fi safari. Oh Allah, you are our companion in the journey. 
Wal khalifatu fil ahli At the same time you are the one we have left behind To take care of the affairs at home So anta sahibu Who's with you in the journey? Allah Wal khalifatu Khalifa is the one you left behind Wal khalifatu fil mali Wal ahli Wal walad Who you have left behind To take care of the family The kids The wealth And property And everyone Allah Anta sahibu fil safar Wal khalifatu fil mali Wal ahli Wal walad Ni'mal mawla Wa ni'mal nasir May Allah ta'ala grant us Tawakkul on him Wa akhir da'wana Alhamdulillah